the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Got a good show lined up for you today. A lot about the economy. Some about business headlines. Google turns 15 on Friday. Hmm. That's kind of interesting, right? I was doing an interview many, many, many years ago, probably 12 years ago, with one of the founders of the Webbies. And she sounded cute on the phone. So I went to a search engine and I Googled her name. And sure enough, I got to see a picture of her and her child. And Buzzkill was hitting pretty hardcore at that point in time. Tiffany Schlein. I still remember that name. That's awkward, right? But... I was interviewing her about the Webbies and who was going to win the big awards that year. And what was interesting about that was she went out of her way to say, oh, you Googled me. And I was like, yeah, I guess I kind of did. Guilty. So <clears throat> where does that story go? Probably not anywhere other than... Right there, you know, Google turns 15. So Google-owned YouTube has become the biggest video site on the planet. It's ubiquitous in our lives. Its Android operating system is slowly but surely killing off Windows. The mysterious Google X wing of the company is crafting a lot of forward-looking projects that we talk about Google Glass, computer-cut glasses, Project Loon, where balloons transmit broadband Internet to remote regions from 12 miles in the air. Calico, which focuses on the process of aging. Um, it's an independent, completely owned company by Google. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Uh, Governor Brown in California signs a bill to raise minimum wage to $10 by 2016. The current minimum wage, $8 an hour, will be lifted to 9 and then to $10. He put a signature on the legislation in front of hundreds at the Ronald Reagan building in Los Angeles, saying it's a moral responsibility of California's chance to earn a living wage. Um, what's interesting about that is I see stories like that, and I expect, okay, some of the services that I use that have minimum wage employees, I'm probably going to be paying more for. Of course, I think people should have a living wage, and of course, I don't think people should be living in poverty. I think a living wage in San Francisco is totally different than a living wage in Stockton. So it's going to be interesting to see the ramifications because what we've always learned and seen is the unintended consequences are typically a little bit more profound than we know going in. Volume has been light to moderate. There hasn't been any real fear-based selling on Wall Street this week, even though we've been talking all week long 
about Congress, about the GDP, about what's going to happen if Congress doesn't act and there's a budget deficit fight and there's a budget deal that ever it just remains elusive and we default on our debt and the Fed is meeting and like isn't this all dramatic, right? So the last five sessions we've had one, two, three, four, five days in a row where the SP 500's declined. It's roughly down about two percent in those five days. That looks like a little bit of profit taking on one hand. On another hand, it looks like oh boy, this could be a rough month of October coming up, right? October is going to be an earnings season for the last quarter. And it's also going to be the kickoff of retail. And yesterday, Walmart, whether this is true or not, is trimming orders because there's an inventory buildup going on where people aren't buying goods. Uh, that kind of caused a ripple effect amongst everyone. You know, best bed, buy, bleh, bed Bath & Beyond. I watched that one. They had a great earnings report and a great outlook. But they're not selling... Um, they're selling things that go into our house. And what's really, really working well right now is anything tied towards our house and autos and electronics and online. The rest of retail seems a little discouraging, whether it's Target, now Walmart, Dollar Store. I'm starting to sound like Phil Gunderson. If that ever happens, just please shoot me. Please. So, um, Bed Bath & Beyond, positive. J.C. Penney's got just eviscerated yesterday by an analyst report saying that you know they may not have money to, to put the stuff, the inventory, on the shelves this year. This year. Oof. They might have to do an equity offering. Oof. When your stock's at a nine-year low, doing an equity offering, not exactly the best time. So those are some of the stories we're dealing with. First time unemployment claims, yay, better than expected. But that's on one hand. We want to see the hiring on the other hand. Okay, so on one hand, we're not cutting people as fast and not lining up to get unemployment checks. And there is an automatic, we add jobs to this nation automatically. Just number of people coming into the states, number of babies born, we automatically add jobs. You know, we're all constantly building hospitals. Constantly building schools around the country. Um, automatically, we're adding jobs. J.P. Morgan Chief Jamie Dimon at the Justice Department to meet with Eric Holder. There's intensifying talks of possible $11 billion settlement. More business travelers are booking upscale rooms and airline seats on the executive side, but not the middle manager and lower-level workers. At the depth of the reception of the recession, everyone was mandated, you know, do your part and save some money. So it's kind of interesting to see that there's a little bit of an opening up there. $56 billion market cap Facebook has gained since July 24th is greater than the market cap of 436 companies on the S&P 500. That's how much people are fawning over Facebook. The jobless claims four-week moving average dropped the lowest level, 308,000 since June 2007. That's positive, but again, we're going to look for the other side of that. 
Last time the SP 500 had a six day losing streak was July 2012. Back when we were a wee little lad. No, no, it was just last year. Facebook's above $50 a share. Internet stocks that are partying like it's 1999 include Netflix, Yahoo, Facebook, Pandora, TripAdvisor, Priceline. Pretty fun times, eh? So, um, let's take a quick look at the Z market numbers. That's French, you know, for the market numbers. Z market numbers. Anytime you add Z to anything you say, it's just good fun. SP 500's up 9, Dow's up 96, NASDAQ up 31. Pending home sales slide 1.6% in August. I'll have more on that story as the show goes on. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. Take a break here. Got me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Action coming in for your ride. International paper cup six tenths to 1,703. The Nasdaq up nine tenths to 3,794. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. But should I be? Is this the fate that half of the world's planned for me? I know I love you. You love me. But what do they want to say? Live just, live just for me. Welcome back in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. There's a lot of discontent mounting over the CEO pay of Larry Ellison. $77 million last year in compensation. Vanguard, BlackRock... Big institutional players are basically saying, this is crazy. Um, they're saying, we're big shareholders and we're not going to re-elect the same board of directors. What I like about this story is it teaches you the value of a board. And are they being corporate responsible citizens or not? I don't know. You know... In good years, he gets paid a lot of money. In bad years, he gets paid a lot of money. The financial interests don't necessarily seem to automatically align. Um, And thus, there's some discontent over it. 
SP 500's up 9, the Dow's up 103, the NASDAQ up 31. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. CFP Chad Burton with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, one of the big issues in retirement is knowing your sources of income. We all know Social Security is going to be there, but what other sources of income might we have? Well, it's going to come from, you're going to have a balanced portfolio, hopefully, so you have stocks and bonds in that, in terms of funds and ETFs. Bonds pay interest, stocks pay dividends. If you're going to be buying individual stocks in retirement, I'm a fan of stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend, because when the market's bad, if you have three out of ten years that are negative and your stock portfolio is down, you can still have income that's up. Right. So that's very important. But you still want going into retirement. You want you know, 20 to 40% of your income, uh-huh. especially if you think you're going to live a long time and you have longevity in your family. Sure. You want you know, 20 to 40% minimum in guaranteed lifetime income, and okay. like, like replacing what pensions used to be there for. For your parents, they used to have pensions. Right. We and don't. We don't. But you can do your own personal pensions. And even if you have – so you basically you are turning your portfolio that you've created from age 20 to 60 into a pension. Yeah. You kind of start thinking, I have to annuitize this. It has to last till the day I die. Yeah. So, you know, I use a strategy where I have three years' worth of expenses, a balanced portfolio, a stock portfolio. But I also use, um, in, off, in many cases, right now bonds are a very tough thing to invest in because their prices are at an all-time high, yields are at an all-time low. I'm not seeing inflation, so I'm not scared of bonds right now. Okay. But eventually we'll have to switch. So if you're trying to say, what's a bond alternative? where I can still get 5% or more over my lifetime out of my bond portfolio. There are certain no-load insurance products that can give you that type of, a, of, of an income where you can invest in a balanced portfolio and the insurance company will guarantee you know, 5 to 7% income for the rest of your life. These products used to be awful because they used to be in annuities that had back-end surrender charges, you know, 3.5% fees inside of them. Now there's no-load versions of it. Right. And there's also standalone insurance products now that will insure a portfolio for lifetime income, which is okay on a bond alternative. And, and so you, can, you have an overall strategy, and then you might have some bond alternatives in your portfolio that have guaranteed lifetime so that with your Social Security and some of those alternative uh, income investments, you have a portion that if you live till 100 and the market doesn't do well, you still have income, and that's important. As a certified financial planner, how often do people come into your office without enough retirement thinking they had enough retirement? I would say probably 50% of the time. And the reason why is because they're not thinking about health insurance costs. They're not thinking about long-term care. They're not realizing that, you know, inflation. Yeah. I mean, every about 18 years, you're, you're, you know, dollars cut in half with inflation. And is that the you know how there's the, seven, the rule of 72? Yeah. Money doubles every seven years, something right. like that. So you divide 72 by the expected rate of return. Yeah. And that's how long it takes to double. It's the same thing if inflation is so running up at three percent, then yeah. it's going to take 18 to 20 years for the for the opposite of that to happen, for the dollar to cut in half. So you you have to increase. Um, you know, you you have to have a very detailed income statement that shows your long-term projection. With average expenses growing at least three percent, but your healthcare costs growing at five to six percent a year. Anything that we need to know on a final thought? Well, again, when you're when you're looking at some of the products that are out there, be aware of who's showing you the products. If they're insurance people that get paid a commission, or if they're working at a big firm or a bank that get paid a commission, the product might sound good, but you can get no load versions of that product with much much lower fees. So make sure you're working with a fiduciary that has your best interest in mind rather than somebody that's working on a commission has to get paid by selling you something. I've been talking with CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. 
So there's a lot of talk about pensions and 401ks. And I don't necessarily believe that a corporation should set up a pension. It's an old thought that ties back to the 30s, 40s, and 50s. It was a great way of attaining workers, of attaining quality workers at times when there was big disruptions for workers tied towards world wars. Um, there's an argument, though, you know, pensions versus 401ks. There's no doubt about it. Corporations hire you from age 20 to 60 or 20 to 50 and then pay you from 60 to 100. It made more sense when we died at 65, 70, but now we're living to 80, 85, 90, 93, 95. And that's going to probably extend. So the whole idea of pensions, Democrat versus Republican, I'm not going to get into. I can tell you that it's just reality. Pensions aren't there. 401ks, you need 10 to 20 times your salary before you retire. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. If you want to make it last till the day you die with unemployment rate for older workers... Right now, lower than that for the general population. A lot of people want baby boomers to retire. The reemployment rate for people 55 to 64 is 47% compared to 62% for 20 to 54. Some people are calling for mandatory retirement. In the 1970s, about half of all Americans were covered by mandatory retirement provisions that required they leave their jobs no later than a certain age, usually 65. In 1978, the earliest legal age for mandatory retirement was increased from 65 to 70, tied towards amendments to the Age Discrimination Employment Act. I love how our society debates. It feels so Republican versus Democrat. It doesn't have to, but it does. 800-516-1220. Coming up, we're going to talk J.C. Penney's. We're going to talk J.C. Penney's future of them and or not with deal.com senior writer Richard Collins to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. You're listening to Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, retirement issues primarily drive me. I want you to save 10 to 20 times your income before you retire. That means you need at least one and a half times your income, sometimes in your 20s or 30s. means you need six times your income sometime in your 50s. Are you on track? It's always my big question. Joining me now to talk something that's a little bit on the same page, but slightly different, Richard Collins, senior writer for The Deal. Richard, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Tell us a little bit about what The Deal is. Uh, The Deal is a mergers and acquisitions publication based here in New York, and uh, we are subscribed to by private equity, investment banks, corporate law firms, uh, basically the financial community. 
And the website is thedeal.com? Yes, it's uh, uh, thedeal.com. Absolutely. And we also send out uh, email alerts and those types of things as well to keep our subscribers up to date as to our content. Are you tied towards thestreet.com? Yes, the street. Inc. bought us last year, uh, just about a year ago, in fact. Okay. Uh, before that, we were owned by uh, Wasserstein and Company. Bruce Wasserstein was behind our founding. Unfortunately, a couple of years ago, Bruce Wasserstein uh, passed away, and uh, so the family and Wasserstein and Company had to decide what to do with some of the portfolio, portfolio companies. Okay, so got a little background on all this. Uh, basically, financial media website. A lot of people may not have heard of thedeal.com, but they have heard of thestreet.com. So we're speaking with Richard Collins, senior writer for The Deal, talking J.C. Penney's. J.C. Penney's has been around for 112 years. There's now questions: Will it be 113? Is it that right. bad, Richard? It is looking pretty bad. You know, everyone I've talked to within um, financial circles, very few people have pushed back against the idea that JCPenney is in some trouble right now. Uh, so, in particularly in light of the fact that we had a very poor second quarter for apparel retail and we had a lackluster back to school. I think the Commerce Department said retail sales in August were up 0.1% without autos. So people are bracing for a poor holiday. And JCPenney needs a good holiday in order to remain solvent, basically, in order to alleviate that cash burn. So they're in a bit of a tough spot, especially considering that cash burn at the company has exceeded expectations to the downside, even as of the last quarter. I remember, I guess it was a little more than a year ago, when Ron Johnson was brought in to run JCPenney's. I was like, I'm pretty excited by this. This guy is the guy who touched Apple retail stores, and that was magic. It yes. didn't turn out to be magic, did it? It was an unmitigated disaster. Anyone will tell you that he had some great ideas coming in. You know, let's bring in a younger customer, a newer customer. But the problem when he did that was he alienated the existing customer. So customers that came in for the the sales and the coupons and the customers that came in for the private label brands they had been buying for years, like Hudson's Bay or Gloria Vanderbilt Jeans, all of those brands had been uh, eliminated, replaced uh, with newer brands. Unfortunately, at the same time, as, as we talk about all of this, they weren't really advertising the fact they had these new brands like Joe Fresh and Izod. So the younger customer didn't, wasn't exactly aware that JCPenney now had all these new offerings. So, and that's kind of where their problem is. They have these new offerings, but the new CEO wants the old CEO's retail decisions gone, and that costs money to restock and refresh your product line to what the older audience was expecting to be there to get it back there. Is that the gist of this? That is part of the story. The Mike Ullman, who's running the show now, he wants to keep – I mean, he's keeping some of the brands, but – the Martha Stewart, the decision to bring in Martha Stewart, for example, and some of the other brands within the home department has been a particular sore spot with him. The, a ton of money was plowed into 
overhauling the home the home department store at JCPenney and bringing in these new brands was supposed to help rejuvenate. Well, these new home department stores are not producing the kind of sales, the kind of returns they were hoping to. So now they've burned through all this money renovating it, and now no one's shopping in them. So it's a, it's a real problem for the company. Now they're looking at having to spend even more money to to redo just the home stores. What's interesting to note about this, and Richard, I'm getting a little off topic, but I've not been into JCPenney's in 30-plus years since I was a child. Have <laughs> you? Actually, I, I have. They okay. opened a JCPenney here in New York City, and I visited it. Um, I'm from the Midwest, so okay. I grew up in North Missouri. Every time I go home for the holidays, it's still a place um, friends and family still shop at. Um, so I actually grew up near the hometown of James Cash Penny, who founded the company, Hamilton, Missouri. So it's definitely a part of the Midwest fabric. So I'm definitely very familiar uh, with the store and its its travails and its makeovers. <laughs> with that being said, is the big box department store even a concept that should be living on in the day and age of Amazon and and more boutique style shopping? Well, that's the real that's the real question. That's absolutely valid. I think my situation is probably unique among consumers that I remain so familiar with the company. The, the truth is, department stores ha- have really been suffering over the last you know ten twenty years. It's a, it's a it's an aging model. There have been attempts to revive it. Some people have done a very successful job at keeping it relevant. The Nordstroms of the world, for example, um, are very good. Um, They've also incorporated uh, e-commerce into their strategy very successfully and off-price into their strategy as well. But department stores are definitely struggling. We've seen a lot of consolidation in the sector as a result of the pressure on uh, the department store category. So it's 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 a sector in decline. What does JCPenney's have to do at this point in time, and what do you see happening to them? JCPenney needs to bring back its old customer, but that is easier said than done, or or at least bring in new customers. And until we see comparable store sales improvement year over year, there isn't really a sign yet that they're doing that at all. I mean, this year thus far, we've seen continued drop in sales, which means they're losing customers in addition to the customers they've already lost. So we still haven't seen a reversal there. And that's really one of one of the key issues. I mean, that is the issue. So it's going to be a very tough go. And the company itself is saying a turnaround is going to take a long time. So when you think about it all in that context, no one's questioning whether JCPenney makes it through this holiday season. The question is, how long do they survive next year? So, so they are burning through a lot of cash, and, and people are wondering when should they perhaps think about filing for bankruptcy. Um, but we have to be careful about that because they could have a great holiday. They might have some success in stopping that cash bleed. They might go and raise additional debt or through equity raise additional capital that's able to beef up the, the company's cash reserves. So 
So, but a lot of folks are saying, you know, they'll survive through this holiday, but next year, next year looks a little bit questionable, and maybe they should start formulating plans for, for, for perhaps a possible bankruptcy. Thanks very much for joining us. That's Richard Collins with TheDeal.com, TheDeal.com, talking a little bit about J.C. Penney's and what the future holds. It certainly looks dark for the future of department stores. Like I said, I haven't been in the J.C. Penney's in 30, 35 years. I remember the J.C. Penney's iconic um, catalog that came out, and, you know, Dad would throw it in front of me and say, pick a couple things for Christmas, and sure enough, they would magically show up. Um... But that feels like a generation ago, almost literally. Yahoo is hitting its highest level since November 2007. It's up 61% this year. Wow. Pending home sales fell more than expected. Pending home sales fell 1.6% on the month in August, falling for the fourth straight month, missing expectations. Um, Housing feels like it's peaked a little bit. Sharply rising mortgage rates in the spring motivated buyers to make purchase decisions, culminating in a a six-and-a-half-year peak for sales that were finalized last month. Now, just because it peaks doesn't mean it doesn't go forward, but the speculative fervor feels like it might be dying a little bit as people start to look around and assess the situations. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on there. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. Adult education, is it worth going back to school? It's another thing that a lot of people have to deal with is, and I see it more and more, second careers and third careers of people who, you know, once were purchasing managers for, you name the big company, that are now basically stripped of a job and trying to reinvent themselves. The ones that make me the most nervous are the business coaches. I'm not a big fan of the business coach. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. It helps me when you follow me. Um, it shows that there's interest, and I appreciate it. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back, talking markets and much, much more. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Not sure this is Pearl Jam's best. Anyhow. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. 
Um, I don't get a lot of calls. I get a lot of listeners that, you know, pay attention and want me to say something stupid or pay attention and want me to say something shocking. Um, not a lot of calls these days. feels like people don't engage in AM morning radio. SP 500 up 3, the Dow up 41, the NASDAQ up 19, the 10-year Treasury sits at 2.64%, pushing mortgage rates down to a 9-week low. Gold's down 9 bucks at 13.20 ounce. Oil sits at $102 a barrel. And that's about all we need to know. So stocks are surging on encouraging reports on the economy. U.S. pending home sales fell for a third straight month. That doesn't sound great, does it? But the economic data that we're seeing out there, Bed Bath Beyond, better than expected sales. Hertz, stronger pricing, but they also did cut their earnings and revenue forecast. Hertz, a play on the airport. Airports are a play on the business economy. So weaker than expected volume generated by its namesake brand. Weaker volume impacts not only hurt revenues, but also generates related fleet issues, including lower utilization and the inability of the used car market to absorb their excess vehicles at current market prices. Caesars Entertainment, which is a big Vegas play, they plan to sell up to 11.5 million of its shares in public offering. So that's all newsworthy, right? To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. The SP 500 up 4, the Dow up 47, the NASDAQ up 21. A lot of discontent over the CEO pay of Larry Ellison's at Oracle, $77 million last year. Some big insider groups like Vanguard and BlackRock have voiced opposition. eBay is bolstering its PayPal business with acquisition of Braintree. Braintree being acquired for about $800 million, trying to strengthen PayPal's presence on smartphones and tablets. Braintree owns an app called Venmo, which lets consumers make payments on smartphones and tablets. The deal is reasonable in the sense that it also takes off a competitor from the market. PayPal's fighting off a host of startups like Square that are trying to chip away in online and mobile payments. Walmart stores still have Paula Deen merchandise, so you still have time to go get your Paula Deen Christmas gag gift. So, I know you're saying, that's not funny. I got a Paula Deen pot roaster on Christmas morning. I'd be bitter. That's totally fair. I totally get where you're coming from. Twitter investors are awaiting the IPO. Some of the celebrity investors in Twitter include Richard Branson, Richard Branson, Ashton Kutcher, Ashton Kutcher. So that's going to be more and more in the news as we whittle around time here. There's not a lot of other big stories out there today. Investors are shrugging over the risk of an $11 billion fine for J.P. Morgan. Stocks holding up pretty well, all things considered, because they make a lot of money. They didn't need a bailout during the bailout. That's kind of interesting. Pending home sales down 1.6% in August. Jobless claims fall. California says backlog cleared. California upgraded their computer systems 
and uh, some of the jobless numbers were kind of goofy. What happened to the S&P 500 over the last government shutdown, which you might remember in 95 and 96? Um, it lasted for about a month from Christmas time through early January. It was down about 3.7% the market was when the last time the government shut down. There's worries that we're not going to be able to avoid a shutdown or that we won't be able to raise the debt ceiling in time to avoid a default on some government debt. Keep in mind that December 13, 1995 to January 10, 1996, market down about 3.7%. And the month after that, when it came back, up 10.6%. CUS might hit that brink, and it might be dramatic. There might be last-minute compromise. There might not. It's not the worst thing in the world to consider a shutdown, though. It's... You know, will that jump happen again? There's midterm election right around the corner. It may behoove one party to allow the unthinkable to occur, so long as the other party gets the blame. The likelihood of a a shutdown continues to grow, and it's going to play out in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, there could be a pretty dramatic problem that is either averted or it hits. I'm not that stressed. In the end, you don't have that many options, and it's been proven time and time again that timing doesn't work. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. I'll be sitting in for CFP Chad Burton, who focus on Wealth Day from 1 to 2. If I get out of here on time, I hope I do. New Focus on Wealth from 1 to 2 here on 1220 AM, KDOW. You can find a podcast of the show at iTunes under Rob Black and Your Money. It's free. Or you can go to kdow.biz and download it a couple minutes after the show's over. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. This network. I'm reading some breaking news on Twitter. The National Football League has reached a deal with Twitter to make football highlights and other content available on the social media service. It's a big partnership aimed at capitalizing on the intersection of tweeting and TV. The NFL is going to have a team dedicated to producing programming for Twitter seven days a week, including in-game highlights from Thursday night games on the NFL Network, clips from games on other networks such as CBS, Fox, and ESPN. NFL will serve up content including news analysis and fantasy football advice. What's interesting about this, Twitter signed up an array of media partners. From any networks to the Weather Channel to BBC America. Sports TV giant ESPN was an early pioneer of this kind of concept. And they're going to be shut out of this. NFL hasn't granted ESPN the rights to tweet clips from Monday Night Football. That's crazy. You know, the NFL is very protective of their distribution rights. And who gets to distribute it on TV 
would be the end all be all winner, right? But no, everything is split. I find that fascinating. Twitter is going to be a player in the NFL. There's been talks that YouTube or Google might buy the rights to the NFL Sunday ticket. Or you can watch all the out-of-market games that you want. The NFL's highly coveted content. If you don't see this as a massive story, I, don't, I, I can't tell you what there is. Twitter's going to generate over a billion dollars in ad revenue globally in 2014. Up from $583 million this year. That's pretty impressive. Now that they got the NFL, you think that number's going to go up a little bit more? As my friends from Minnesota would say, you betcha. Just interesting for me. I don't know if it's interesting for you. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I don't get Bitcoin. Just throwing it out there for you. J.C. Penney sees positive sales near the end of the quarter. They're struggling. Penning home sales fell 1.6% in the month of August. What's interesting to note about that is sales of contracts on homes fell 1.6% in August, the third month of declines, led by drops in three of the four regions. Higher interest rates and higher prices have caused a little bit of a blip. Inventory is the positive. Higher prices and higher interest rates is the negative. Year over year, we're up still quite nicely. A sale of an existing home is listed as pending when the contract has been signed. Sales are typically finalized within one to two months after the signing. Sometimes a little faster if you're well qualified. Other top stories of the day, and I think that Twitter story is a big one. Yahoo's hitting its all-time, not its all-time high, but it's up 61% this year. It's highest level. It's highest level in six years. Governor Jared Brown signed a bill to raise minimum wage in California. I will be interested in seeing the law of unintended consequences and see what happens in the years to come to some of the low-paying jobs and services in the economy. In big cities, it makes sense in smaller cities, maybe not so much. Google's turning 15 years old on Friday. What's interesting to note about that is how much it's become ubiquitous in our lives for various projects. How things like MapQuest kind of came and left on a lot of levels, while Google just continued to you know stretch what they did into new areas and put companies out of business. Google lets you search email. They let you search documents. They're working on self-driving cars. They own YouTube, one of the biggest video sites on the planet. It's Android is the dominant mobile phone operating system. 80% market share. Google X is a company inside of Google which works on forward-looking projects like Google Glass and Project Loon. Loon is that project where they're sending balloons in the air to blast broadband internet. Hertz is cutting its full-year review on weak airport rentals, a sign that the economy is not glorious. If you take a look at retailers, the 
economy is not glorious. What's interesting in it is it is doing pretty well in housing and autos. So Bed Bath & Beyond reported a great quarter because they don't sell products. They only sell products for your home. Walmart is still selling Paula Deen items, so you still have time to go get the perfect gag gift for Christmas to try to embarrass a family member. Carl Icahn's taking a new bite at Apple. He's going to meet with Tim Cook. That's being reported out there today. That's interesting of note, but it's not glorious in any way, shape, or form. Not in my my book. Taking a look at the market numbers today, we have a up market after five down days. The SP 500 has fallen about two percent in five days. Now it's up one half of one percent. A couple weeks ago, it was hitting 52-week highs all-time highs, now it's just off. And yet we feel like this whole budget Congress shutdown, slowdown, deal, no deal, is very problematic. SP 500's up 9, the Dow's up 103, the Nasdaq's up 31, the 10-year Treasury's pulled back, helping mortgage rates hit 9-week lows. 10-year Treasury sits at 2.6%. Postal rate hike. Postal rate hike proposal is going to face some Senate scrutiny. Why this company reports to the Senate, I don't know. It needs to be taken away. They need to operate as an independent company if they're ever going to succeed. The Postal Service proposal raised the price of mail-in letter to 49 cents. It's going to get some scrutiny. The Senate panel is considering bipartisan legislation to overhaul the cash-strapped agency. Postmaster General Patrick Donahoe, he appeared before the Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs, wants to raise the price of a first-class stamp by three cents. He's pressing lawmakers to act quickly. Post office is going to lose $6 billion this year. Of all the options trying to right themselves, increasing postage prices is a last resort, in theory. They should cut Friday... Saturday delivery, what are they going to cut? You know, getting people working fewer hours is is one way of saving that agency. The post office tried to raise rates 5.6% in 2010, citing the recession. But that was vetoed, killed, didn't happen. Cutting Saturday out will only save them about $2 billion each year. Keep in mind they're going to lose $6 billion this year. They have to fund retiree health benefits. They missed some of those payments in 2012. Not good. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You can find me online, Twitter, and YouTube, Rob Black Show. Index is up six points to sixteen ninety nine, a gain of point four percent. Dow Industrials up seventy four points to fifteen thousand three hundred forty eight, a gain of point five percent. And Nasdaq is up twenty seven points, a gain of point seven percent. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking. All things financial money, invested in more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Activist investor Carl Icahn is going to meet Apple CEO Tim Cook in New York City next week. Where the billionaire may discuss the company's prospects and possibility of adding to a sizable stake in the tech giant. Carl Icahn's richest man in New York. He's on the older side. The planned meeting is an outgrowth of the tweet Carl Icahn made in August that flagged his interest in Apple's massive share buyback. Icahn said he purchased quite a bit of Apple stock. It's believed he owns about $2 billion, which doesn't even put him in the top 10 individual shareholder list. But it is interesting to note, from a distance, I don't know. I get why people are interested. That's all I'll say. Icon has been considered a winner, so following him has probably been pretty good for you, all things considered. A lot of fiscal fights going down at this point in time. There's a health care mandate that's going into effect. One Democrat has said, uh, we should delay this a little bit. But it's Republicans against Democrats. Across the board. U.S. House Speaker's choice, John Boehner. He has the clock running on a government shutdown. It's up to him to stop it, in theory. Between keeping the government running and continuing to fight the nation's three-year-old health care law, has huge implications to congressional elections in 2014. Can keep up the fight against Obamacare when the Senate sends back a spending bill in coming days, making a shutdown more likely. Can he fund the government with the help of Democratic votes that would risk alienating the Republican newcomers who've already tried once to oust him as a speaker? So it's, you know, it's a lot of drama. And it's a lot of headlines, and it's a lot of people in media who don't know what they're talking about. The Office of Management Budget estimated 30 days of shutdowns in 1995 and 1996 cost more than $1.4 billion. Roughly $2 billion in today's dollars, which isn't much for our economy. That was 95-96. Democrat Bill Clinton was re-elected president in 96 in a landslide. After Republican Congress blamed was blamed for closing the government. So, Boehner has to run around and say, I don't want to shut down the government. They're trying to curb the health care law with changes in a Senate bill. So, does he convince his fellow Republicans to fight or delay the fight for the health care issue? A lot of political risks. A lot of political risks. Fun to watch from a distance, maybe, but not good for the markets. Markets stress over stuff like this. They don't want to see the American people at the water cooler thinking, you know, maybe I should sell all my stock. This is bad. This is going to damage our economy in the long run. So I saw a report recently that said uh, Chevy's Volt's going to sell more electric cars than Tesla this year. And they're going to lose less money doing it. And no one cares. 
Toyota Camry's run as the number one sedan in the United States could end. They've had a lot of recalls. They've had natural disasters. And yet they've been the number one sedan in the U.S. But there's a lot of competitors going after them. Camry's sales lead over the Honda Accord, Nissan's Altima, Ford's Fusion. Even if Camry loses its grip on sales crown next year, Toyota will remain a force to be reckoned with. World's biggest automaker came back more quickly than expected after a massive recall. Toyota's strength has been underpinning the success of the Camry for 16 years. It's crazy, right? So, um, Camry was one of the first key new products in the midsize segment when it came out. Showing you that Wall Street really is all about product. So who's going to take the lead? Minor model changes can mean a slow descent, a slightly better glide ratio. Is what it comes out to. 800-516-1220. There's a pretty funny video out there of a 7-year-old boy crying. Um, A 4-year-old boy crying as... He plays with the iOS 7. That's crazy. An iOS, an operating system for phones, has people all dramatic. Nike's the newcomer on the Dow. They're up 34% year-to-date. Nike's one of my favorite stocks to talk about because I think it's an easy thing for you to understand. You see their swoosh just about everywhere in the world of athletics. China's going to have its first decline in sales in quite a while. Now, orders of shoes and clothing for delivery over the next five months, which is a gauge of future sales demand and a key investment focus, will turn positive. China's been kind of a wake-up call for Nike. The company has lagged its chief rival, Adidas, in unveiling more fashion merchandise to attract local Chinese consumers. China remains a key area, clearly, for retailers. And they say one of the most important subsectors of retail now is the 20-something Chinese. As they're trying to blend tradition with being individual. So, big play for Nike. Now, back in the North American market, you know, they're going to see sales of up 10%. But China's too big not to pay attention to, in everyone's opinion. No big breaking news today. Um, you know, again, it's all about the debt ceiling, it seems to be, and those talks that are going to heat up next week. Nest, the company that makes a web-connected thermostat, which is pretty cool. And it's pretty easy to install. They're going to allow developers to make apps for it. Want an app to control your smart lighting, fan, security system, and climate control? Of course you do. Smart home, a connected home. So, companies making web-connected home lighting or fans could incorporate control into the learning thermostat. I'm excited. 
You can pick up a, a Nest thermostat at Home Depot this weekend and install it. Save yourself some money over time if you're going to be in the house for a while. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. It's Rob Black, your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Get your calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Don't be shy. I don't bite. I have a lot of basic concepts. Term life insurance is better than whole life variable. I invest every two weeks in my 401k. I think you should too. You should save 10 to 20 times your your earnings before you retire. Don't retire unless you're wealthy. It's one of the biggest mistakes I see people make. They retire just a little bit too soon. Oh, what else do we need to talk about? Probably not that much else, right? Um, Markets are going to get through the process. They're going to get through the government shutdown. I can't promise that to you. Legally, you have to be very careful in any sort of promising issue. Um, So I, I don't. But I can tell you, you're not going to get through retirement on $100,000. There's no way. When all push comes to shove and your Social Security is you know, $1,600 a month most, after you pay taxes and, and medical costs, you have almost nothing. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. There's a guy named Bacon Freak. I do like that. I must admit, I do like the title Bacon Freak. He sells a lot of product online. People like buying bacon online. Bacon of the month. SP 500 up 3, the Dow up 38, the NASDAQ up 18. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. Some alarming statistics crossing my desk. 75% of iPhone owners will likely upgrade their current model to Apple's next-generation smartphone by the end of the year. For Americans, the average monthly cost of shopping is $736. Boomers spend on average $650 a month alone on technology. These three statistics combined tell me, wow, there's a lot of cash flow issues out there. You know, it's, it's tough to look at some of the statistics that are out there and feel very positive about investing sometimes because of the demographics, because of how Americans act, even after this bubble that we've had. You've got to remember that a lot of companies that you're investing in, though, are outside the U.S. in terms of revenue. They're getting a lot of their revenue from you know, emerging markets, middle class that's growing around the world. But here's a big one, Rob, is that one of the reasons why people spend so much is because they don't know what they're spending. Seventy percent of Americans don't have a budget. 
And there's no excuse for that. There's absolutely no excuse because of the free tools that are out there, like Mint.com, LearnVest. I mean, all these tools that you can link your accounts to, and it will tell you what you're spending. It'll keep an eye on it for you. Most bank accounts, whether it's Wells Fargo or Credit Union, have spending tracking capabilities as well. So there's no reason that you shouldn't know what you're spending. And when you know what you're spending on, you can start coming up with numbers that make a little bit more sense. For instance, um, if every four years you buy a new car, instead of getting a $50,000 car, get a $40,000 car, you start, you know, what is that, 10 times 4, you save $400,000. Like, you can save a ton of money fast if you're just smart about your decisions in your lifetime. Yeah, because you might like to drive something new. As long as it's new to you, you know, why not get a oh, car that's, that's leased... You know, that's, there's cliches that I don't like. If it's new to you. If it's, it's new, new. Yeah, it's yeah. not really new. But it is. I mean, you, assets like cars are I don't like other people have driven my car. It's like pre-chewed food. I don't like it. Well, it doesn't bother me because I beat up cars and have three kids. and So they don't and last. It, they're, they're not clean very long, so it doesn't bother me at all. Again, that's where I'm getting at it. It's silly to, to idolize new cars. It, we do idolize things in, in this country. iPhone, got to have the new one. New car, got to have a new one. Um, I don't have a pursuit for material objects. And again, I say that I like my, my vacations to be grand, and I, I splurge on my vacations. I don't splurge on my car. Yeah, because it's the memories. That's where I splurge. It's things like the activities, the things that you know keep you balanced in life and passion. That's, that's where I tend to overspend. Boating, <laughs> there's no good good way to spend on that, but it's a blast for the family. But at the same time, I'm you know. 42% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and then once they get past that point where they actually have excess income, then they end up overspending before they save. And so people are doing it backwards, um, and they'll never get to retirement. They're going to be retiring when they're 75 or 80 years old because they're going to have to work till a, a ripe old age. It, when you look at baby boomers right now, some of the facts that you see from AARP to Fidelity to any you're seeing about 97% of baby boomers are have not saved enough for retirement. Luckily though, the baby boomers, a lot of their parents were depression era people that save, 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 save. They're worth millions of dollars and they live off their social security. So there is some wealth transfer that will save a, probably half to 60% of these baby boomers. But after that, they're going to be relying on the system and they're going to be broke. I'm with you on that. And again, the way you spend money now will shape how much you save so that you don't have to rely on the system. If you've got kids, swap with other parents' books. You don't have to go buy your kids new books all the time. Just swap with other parents. Swap toys. Because, again, it's new to them. They don't know any difference. I don't remember much. I don't remember anything before age six. Yeah, well, you're seeing that, too. And, um, uh, you know, if you like to shop a lot, and it's the same thing – there's a, there's a um, learnvest.com is a site that you and I have talked about sure. before. It's kind of um, financial planning for women by women type of a site. And they talk about things like clothing swaps. Rather than go out and hit the sales and spend money that you could be putting into your 401k, if you have $1,000 that goes into your 401k, you'll save $300 on taxes, and you'll have $1,000 working for you. If you take you earn $1,000, you have $700 left after you pay taxes to go shopping with. So it's you got to think about... You know, who's getting your money? Is it your saving or is it your what retailer? Do you think, what do you think about reusing toothpaste? Reusing toothpaste. What do you do? How do, how do, you, how do you solidify it again, Rob? You don't. You, know, you just spit it out in a cup and then you use it the next night. I think that's a horrible idea. Cool. With that said, you, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. I like the idea. I'm Rob Black.
<laughs> Let's go to a caller, 800-516-1220. Paul, you still there? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning to you. Um, just want your opinion on, I was uh, just came into some, some cash, and I wanted to uh, introduce it into the market and put it, put it to work in my portfolio. And I was thinking maybe... Uh, dollar cost averaging in index funds and also maybe uh, buying some shares of Facebook. Opinion on waiting maybe till it get a little dip in the market or just go ahead and, and put it in right away? I think dips are for chips and not for speculators. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think Facebook goes higher this year? No. It's gained more in market cap than most of the S&P 500 combined. It's ridiculously valued in the short term. Does that mean it goes lower? No. It's it's a fan favorite, a lot like Amazon, a lot like Tesla. Um, your idea of the index funds is a lot more rational, but I think Facebook goes to 60, um, and I don't think it stops before it does. And at that point in time, you know, we'll take a look at their next quarter. I think their next three quarters are going to be glorious. Um, I know people who are addicted to it, and they'll even go out and say, I don't like it. And yet, people want to continue to like figure out what's happening with their ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends. People want to continue to stalk their friends. You know, A lot of people call it brag book, because when you go on, all you're doing is like, hey, look at my family at a hockey game, or hey, look at my family camping. Um, they own so much of the photo market that we've uploaded to them. I, I see them charging at some point. I see them bigger than ABC, CBS, NBC combined as far as their reach goes. I think they're going to make a crazy amount of money in advertising. I think the U.S. is close to saturation, which will hurt their numbers in a couple of years. But I think right now they're figuring out mobile and they're figuring out fast. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start charging you. And people would still stay with them because they've got all their photos uploaded to them. Um, I think they're the top destination for target marketing. No hands about it. No hands down. You know, all hands in or whatever whatever the phrase is. But would I buy it today? I can't tell you to do that. I'd say it's growthy. I think it'll work out for you over time. Uh, Maybe you scale into it, buy a little bit now, buy a little bit in the future. So if it dips, you're averaging in. If it goes higher, you're, you know, you're chasing a little bit of performance. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't say anything negative about the company. Can you? It just seems like a winner, and going forward, all the things you said make sense. Yeah, there's not a lot of short-term upside potential to a rational person, but I think you're going to see um, more video ads. I think you're going to see increased payment activity. I think you're going to see paid search ads. Um, so I see a lot of upside for them. And thanks for the call. The fear is, is that they do something stupid. And that could hurt the stock valuation. Um, I own shares of Facebook. I need to legally disclose that. Um, No one loved it at 18. No one loved it at 25. No one loved it at 30. When it starts hitting new two-week highs, people love it. And again, would I put inheritance into it? (laughs) Would I put my whole life savings into it? No. But it's scary how much people throw away into that as far as time goes. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial on the Wall Street Business Network.
of financial interest in the success of New Focus. Very successful recovery. And we're also using... So, we know Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I know talking about minimum wage is brutal. It's a killer in political circles. There's an article in today's LA Times about Governor Brown signing a bill to raise minimum wage in California from $8 to $9 in 2014, and then up to $10 in 2016. Six months apart, July 1st, 2014 is the first dollar, and the extra dollar goes in January 1, 2016, so a couple years after that. What's interesting to note about that is that's faster than inflation, but minimum wage hasn't kept up with inflation. A coalition of employers... Uh, don't like the bill. Small businesses are the heart and soul of our economy. Big business isn't. Could companies like IBM and Apple afford to pay minimum wage or higher? Absolutely. Look at the billions of dollars of profits. A lot of small businesses, you're talking about an owner paying himself and sometimes not ever getting a profit. So this is going to cement a floor for the poor at $10 an hour, 40 hours a week, $400. You could kind of see 1600 a month, 16, 18,000, 19,000 a year. Um, but throw on that, small business is also going to start paying for health care for people who work over 30 hours. And you can start seeing that small businesses are going to change or likely change. So... California is not drawing a lot of business support from this. And again, businesses are the heart and soul of an economy. Um, you know, hiring a student to work over the summer and suddenly it's costing you 10% more, It sometimes maybe you'll say, you know what, I'll do the work myself or I'll give the work to my kid or something along those lines. So a lot of people don't have scale to pay Unlimited, and they have to structure their businesses as frugal. Will it cripple a recovering business? Will it cripple a recovering economy? I don't think it's going to be that. But a guy who wipes a car to dry it, that's a job that could be competitive. You know, a lot of people can wipe cars. Is that ever going to lead him anywhere and giving him a livable wage? Is that really the right idea? So I've got, you know, this is this is a problem. I mean, again, it's not just for me. I'm fine. Um, can businesses prosper at the expense of workers? Are we more socialist in California than the rest of the country? Yes. There's no doubt about it. We're socially responsible, and that comes with good things and bad things. 
the trade-off is you give someone a wage that they could live off of, and yet they never get ahead in life because eighteen thousand dollars a year not going to get you ahead in life. So when we chew on a hamburger or pay to get our car washed, it's going to cost us a little bit more. You know, it's not going to ruin the economy, but it's going to cost us a little bit more. And some small businesses are going to say, you know what, I'd rather work for a big business. I don't want to do this on my own anymore because the cost is just too high. I know an owner who, of a restaurant that he is not, in any way, shape, or form, he is not going to let his employees work over 30 hours a week. He can't afford to, he says. The extra couple hundred dollars a month in health care costs, and health care is not cheap. And again, a lot of people, I think, live in the past. Oh, I remember when healthcare was 100 bucks a month. Trust me, it's not. The insurance, and then getting people to insure, or getting the insurance to pay for what you thought was insured, good luck with that. Right? Um, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Stocks are rising as data is overshadowing the budget impasse. The budget impasse is going to be big stories in the next three weeks. Is there going to be a last second aversion of a shutdown? Will it destroy our economy if the government shuts down? Probably not. Keep in mind, I have to go to the DMV and redo my driver's license soon. Am I worried that I won't be able to get it done, that business will shut down as we know it? No. But I'm certainly not looking forward to longer lines. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Smartphone trade-ins is big business. Since the new iPhone 5S went on sale last week, the smartphone trade-in market has been in full gear. All those used phones flooding the market could hurt Apple and its rivals in the long run. Used phones cannibalize about 8% of new smartphone sales, and that's a growing number. You know, Apple and Samsung rely on selling new phones, but the re-commerce trend isn't going to go away anytime soon. It's big business for phone trade and services, refurbishers and wholesalers, as well as customers who could score cash for their latest, hottest phone. There's an online service called Gazelle, which popularized the idea of treating your smartphone like a used car instead of shoving it away in the junk drawer. So if you have any old smartphones, go grab them, go to gazelle.com, punch it in, see how much you can get for it, and get it. Don't be ridiculous. You've got cash sitting in your drawers. So I was running yesterday, and I heard the song come on Pandora, and I hate it. It reminded me of work. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. I'm going to be sitting in for CFP Chad Burton on New Focus on Wealth today from 1 to 2. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Get a podcast of the show by going to kdow.biz. We'll take a break here. Opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Savvy investors know where to find the... 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.